0: It's time for your NBA daily assist. Now, senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, out to the Sprint special guest line. We go get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He's back for another season with us, and we couldn't be more excited about it. He is Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report. Happy Friday to you, Howard. How are you? Hey, Howard hey fellas how are you hey we are we're doing great we're on remote today at a really cool store it's a beautiful day in salt lake and the jazz play the lakers tonight so everything's coming us up us howard and i'm just glad to be here because i've got so many questions with the
1: nba season opening i've got so many questions so i'm glad i get to be a part of this interview Uh,
0: i'm happy to be here i hope i have decent answers all right, I, Hans. I feel like you should start. I, I feel like you've got stuff like ready to roll. Uh, I feel I like am you should go
1: very ready to roll because we've got a Utah Jazz-LA Lakers matchup tonight, and we saw a strange Lakers open, but against a really good Clippers team, and then a strange Utah Jazz open against a lowly OKC team. Just taking those four teams that I mentioned, Howard, kind of walk us through the two: the win for Utah and the loss for the Lakers, and what these teams look like.
2: Well, you know, the Lakers, I, I feel like, you know, they're going to be judged in, as they always are prematurely by the highest standards and with expectations possibly out ahead of where they should be given this stage of the season. Like, it's it's fine that they have two top five players. It's fine that they have two generational type stars, but they have a lot of new pieces, and I, I'm not sold on some pieces or some aspects of their rotation. But the Lakers, of course, we expect to be there in the end. They'll be there in the spring. But in you know in, in October, November, this is a feel-out thing for them. They've still got to figure out exactly uh, how they're going to play. What do they do when LeBron goes to the bench? Who's handling the ball? Um, they, they do seem to have a, a bit of a shortage of, of competent ball handlers. They'll be better when Rondo's healthy. But you know he's up there in years, and, and there are limitations on him. So the Lakers are, are you know, they're going to be fun. They're going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know how great they will be in the early going of the season. But as I say, we know where they'll be in the end. They're going to be a top, you know, two, top four team in the West and a uh, threat to make the finals. The Jazz, you know, uh, look, there's nothing I can tell you guys that you don't already know uh, and that you know much more up close than I do. Uh, I, I, like everybody else, I love their off season. And I feel like if, uh, if this were a, a normal NBA and a normal Western Conference, um, you know, or if a lot of other things hadn't happened, we would feel a lot more you know, bullish on their, their, their chances. Now, I still think they've got all the, the, the possibilities in the world. Oh, you, yeah. Good to see you. Um, thank you. Um, I, I think they've got all the possibility in the world um, to come out of the West, as do the Lakers and Clippers, as do the Nuggets as do the Rockets. And there's the problem. You've, you've just got a lot to carve through. And those other teams have more star power. Now, will that be definitive? Star power generally tends to rule the NBA. And, you know, the the Jazz, while they have a couple of guys, it's not at the level of a LeBron and AD or Paul George and Kawhi or Harden and Westbrook. Um, does that matter in the end? We'll see. Does this having elite defense as we expect the Jazz to have year in, year out? Plus a little more offensive dynamism now with Conley in there and the Bogdanovich addition—is that enough to be uh, decisive in a playoff series come the spring? Um, I, I'm a little concerned about their wing defense because you know you're going to have to deal with LeBron, you're going to have to deal with uh, Kawhi and Paul George—you know—potential matchups in the spring. But you know, there's a long time to go be, between now and then. And uh, you know, I, I, I like who the Jazz are. I like what they've done. Um, I like the fact that we can have a, a, an actual conversation about five different teams at the top of the West that we expect to be there and, and truly not know which of them is going to come out uh, in May.
0: Howard, uh, my guy Hans here is uh, a James Harden guy. He likes uh, James. And you mentioned the the tandem of he and Russell Westbrook and the star power of, of that, uh, no doubt, is huge. But my, I guess my question is, how will
2: it work, Howard, and will it work? Um, how will it work? I'm, I'm going to say I'm not sure because because I'm not sure on the second part, which is the will it work. Like, I've been a skeptic of this since they made the move and I remain skeptical having watched last night's game. I, you know, there's no denying the individual talents of those two players. And obviously they've been friends since they were 10, 11 years old, growing up in LA playing ball together. And that, that's fine. That helps. It helps that you want the partnership to work. That's great. There's a trust there and a bond. It doesn't mean that they actually fit well together though. And you can look at the other pairings, the other all-star pairings in this in this you know year of NBA star duos, and you can see how just seamlessly some of the other duos fit. LeBron and AD are a perfect fit for one another. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George—it's seamless. But James Harden and, and Russell Westbrook are the two highest usage players in the modern NBA, and they function best with the ball in their hands. When they blew that lead in the fourth quarter last night. There were two different possessions where James Harden passed to Westbrook for the open three, and Westbrook missed it. No big surprise there. Westbrook shot 29% on threes last year. He's never been a great shooter. And James Harden is one of the best shooters we've ever seen. So, you know, is that force-feeding? Is that just, hey, I'm going to hit the open man? Should Harden have been more selfish in that case and called his own number because he's he's just simply a, a better scorer and a better shooter? Uh, and what happens when, you know, Westbrook has the ball in his hands and, you know, now you've, you've, you've kind of neutralized what is great, greatest about Harden, which is that he's deadly in a variety of ways with the ball in his hands um, as a passer, as a slasher, as a, as a shooter. So uh, I, I think it's a difficult one. I do think it's a, it's a fairly potent one-two puncher has the potential to be, but I do think it comes with um, a lot more downside or just uh, difficulty than some of the other all-star pairings in this
1: league. Watching that Clippers-Golden State game last night was real intriguing for me, Howard. And and so many different storylines. You know, interesting to watch Draymond Green without everybody around him. Interesting to watch Steph Curry try to support but not be able to hit as many. But then the most obvious and glaring question that needs to be asked is, is this Clippers team very easily the team to beat in the NBA at this point?
2: I'm obviously not alone in this, and it's not exactly a big limb to be out on. It's not exactly the most adventurous take. But, yeah, I I've, I've, I've picked the Clippers to win it all this season. I think they have not only the talent at the top there with Kawhi and Paul George, but they've got the depth um, to bring back the core of a team that won 48 games that was just a, a, a tough, gritty, balanced team That that, that kind of just – you know manufactured 48 wins out of sheer will with no real top level talent to take that group keep it largely intact and then add on two all-stars both of whom are phenomenal two-way players possibly the two best two-way wings in the NBA um it just it just gives them such a high ceiling and i don't think any other team can say that uh you know if you if you want to judge just on all-star pairings you could say well you know LeBron and AD have a, have a, have a, have a slight edge there or have an edge. I wouldn't argue the point, um, but it, it's never just about your, your stars. You've got to have the right supporting cast. You've got to have the shooting and the, and the playmaking. And I think the Clippers are just better built. Uh, Lou Williams, six-man of the year, obviously. On nights that the other two guys aren't scoring, you've got a guy who can drop 20, 25 points on a night, 30 points. I don't see that on the Laker roster. And... You know, and that's just comparing those two, obviously, but I, it's for all those same reasons that I like the Clippers that I would put them ahead of Denver and Utah and, and Houston. Uh, I just think they're very soundly built and, and that, that uh, all-star tandem is, is really backed up by a very solid uh, rotation behind them.
0: Howard Beck of the Bleacher Report with us uh, on the big show. Howard, not only are the, there are those five or six teams in the West that are pretty evenly matched and, and could have a shot at it, but what's interesting, too, about the Western Conference is even some of the younger teams are are really poised to take a step. We're going to see Sacramento tomorrow night, and I know Marvin Bagley's out for a couple of weeks, and, and that's not fun, but but Dallas is super interesting. Even Phoenix looks like they might make a, make a little bit of a step this year. Tell me, what what team in the Western Conference that maybe not those five or six that we always talk about really piques your interest?
2: Well, just as we were talking about with the top of the conference, it's refreshing to see that there are like five or six teams we can talk about. It's true of the bottom of the conference too now, where um, there are only two teams that I think like start off the season without any playoff hopes whatsoever. That's Memphis and Phoenix. So now 13 teams are in play. 13 teams legitimately have a shot at the playoffs at minimum, which, again, we don't see very often in this league. And so that's, that's fun. That's interesting on its own. Of that, that group down down in the, um, I don't know, the, the second tier, I guess. So like, I think there are six locks for the playoffs, the teams we talked about, plus Portland. I think the Warriors and Spurs are both vulnerable. And then I think there's this really intriguing group that's chasing those two for the last two spots. That's Dallas. That's New Orleans. I think Oklahoma is, is in fact, in the mix. Uh, some people are higher on Minnesota than I am, but, you know, maybe. Um, of that group, it's the Pelicans. And I, and, I, look, again, it sounds like, well, duh, of course, they got Zion Williamson. I think the Pelicans are intriguing for all kinds of reasons that have nothing to do with Zion. Um, obviously, he's a phenomenal talent. Obviously, he's going to miss six to eight weeks with the niece, uh, unfortunately. But Drew Holiday... You know, like Mike Conley, who you guys now get to appreciate up close, Drew Holiday is one of these guys who every year plays like an all-star, plays both sides of the ball, is a, is a phenomenal player and a, a great leader and just doesn't get the recognition because he's had the misfortune of playing in a, in a Western conference that's been stacked with Hall of Fame point guards or Hall of Fame guards. Um, but Drew Holiday is great. They bring in J.J. Redick. They bring in your guy Derek Favors. Um, they've got, you know, they, they got Monzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, uh, Scouts are really all high on Nikhil Alexander Walker, their other rookie. They've just got like, a really interesting mix and some depth. And I think that I think they can survive without Zion, and I think when he gets back, I think they're really, really good. And it, you know, it, if not for his injury, I would have had them penciled in as, as one of those last two playoffs teams. Even with his injury, I think they've got a good shot at it.
1: Howard, I wanted to get your unique perspective on an announcement that we just got here from Gail Miller and Adam Silver and a lot of the higher-ups in the NBA that we're getting the all-star game here in Salt Lake City in 2023. And I, I want you to kind of paint a perspective for people here in Salt Lake City as to what they're getting into here in 2023.
2: Uh, a whole bunch of grungy sports riders running around for like four or five days. So, I mean, looking for you good know, barbecue we're,
1: or good food. We, we're, sure. just looking
2: for, we're, we're just looking for good food and some Marriott points, really. That's, <laughs> uh, you know, if you see us on the street, please feed us or give us your Marriott points. That's, uh, hey. that's really all we're looking for.
1: <laughs> Howard, bring your skis, man. Let's get up and hit these
2: slopes. Well, I, I will tell you, my, my first reaction was man, the NBA is really trying to freeze our tails off because we're going, like, Chicago, Indy, Cleveland, Salt Lake. Uh, my second reaction was, oh, cool, I got an excuse to, like, just, like, build this out into, like, a whole week uh, trip to bring my wife and daughter and go up to Park City or something. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for that. I'm, in fact... I would. I'll just like ski right through All Star Weekend. I don't need to see another <laughs> slam dunk contest. I don't need to see another bad All Star game. I'll just go ski the whole weekend.
0: Well, I'll tell you this, Howard. You bring the family out here, make some plans, and and we'll take good care of you. You give us a heads up. We'll make sure. We'll make sure you guys have a good time.
2: I appreciate that. I'll be hitting you up for all kinds of restaurant recommendations for sure.
0: But what, what
1: kinds of things are people going to get to see, and, and what kinds of events, and is it is it a fun environment for the city? I know it was here, 30, well, it will be a 30-year anniversary, but I didn't have any part of it, and I think most people probably don't remember it. Yeah,
2: I wasn't there. Like that's you know, I've been around a little while, but not that long. So I have not been there for an All Star game myself. And the All Star weekend itself—it's not even All Star weekend anymore. It's like a whole week, basically. And it's—it's it's grown immensely over the decades. So you know, uh, listen uh, for you know, uh, jaded old farts like me, it's you know, it's it, it's work and it's it's fun, it's entertaining, but it's you know, it's it's just uh, a lot of media, it's a lot of chaos. But for families, for for if you uh, a family that's big basketball fans and you got your kids and you want to bring them out. They've got all this stuff. A lot of it's, I think, free too, this fan fest type stuff where it's just this kind of carnival atmosphere. And some of the players will be circulating through there and there's contests and stuff. And uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a great atmosphere. I brought my wife and daughter to one of the ones in New Orleans a while back and, and they had a, a spectacular time. So, um, yeah, jazz fans will really enjoy it. I'm sure it will be obviously great for downtown. And uh, it's it's a great event. The NBA does a, a phenomenal job.
1: The other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Howard, was it feels like since the preseasons ended and mostly we're out of China, there's a band aid put over the NBA China and 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 fan dispute. But I'm curious to get your thoughts. Is it is it done? Is it going to go away? Is this thing going to resurface?
2: Oh, that's a great question. I, I I don't know. Like my gut tells me that. And, and this was how I felt a couple of weeks ago, too, was that as soon as the, the NBA was out of China in terms of the preseason and that with the, the actual season starting to unfold and with all the intriguing storylines, within the NBA or just the sports you know, media and sports fan community, like the, the, the focus quickly shifts to, well, how do LeBron and AD look? You know? It quickly shifts to, you know, uh, you know how's, how's uh, the new Philly lineup? working out so far like it, it, it you know our attentions are short and that the fact that, that all that controversy happened at a time when it was still the preseason and people didn't really have anything else to talk about um, the fact that that you know politicians across the spectrum all seized on it as a, a political wedge issue and, 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 a, and a means of just you know smacking people around that they that they uh, needed an excuse to smack around like it, it turned it into something bigger than it might have been uh, at another time in another, you know, context. I think it fades a little, but I also think that if people decide to use this um, as, as a continual use, a, continue to use a, as a, a political wedge, as a rhetorical, uh, you know, just a, a talking point, um, then that could extend this a while. If something happens in China, I mean, listen, the, the Hong Kong protests have been um, pretty tense and, and persistent. And, you know, God forbid there, there's anything uh, terrible that happens there, if it escalates, then it's going to just put the focus back squarely, not just on the NBA, but on the dozens and dozens of American corporations and, and other you know businesses from around the world that are doing business in China. If things were to turn, uh, you know, violence in Hong Kong with those protests and the way that China deals with those protests— it's going to put everybody in a spot where they're going to potentially have to make some decisions. Right now, I think the NBA is treating it as business as usual. Uh, it's not to say that there's a blind eye being turned, but they've been there for 40 years, and so have Nike and Disney and Walmart and Starbucks and Apple and all kinds of other businesses. Um, you know, I wrote about this recently. It just it's. It's uh, understandable that people might have concerns about the NBA being there or believe that maybe they shouldn't be, and that's a, a fair argument that people can make. But if you're going to make that argument, you got to turn it on Starbucks and Disney and Apple and everybody else, too. And it, the NBA simply got caught in the middle of, of I think, a, a more of a American political war more than anything that was to do with China itself. This has been a, a, a debate that, that kind of... Uh, you know, grew disproportionately to the NBA's role.
0: Howard, back of the Bleacher Report with us on the big show, and Howard, our boy Gordon, is a little under the weather today. He uh, unfortunately wasn't with us yesterday either. We hope he's he's feeling a little bit better. But we are both very, very excited that you're back on the show this year. Thank you for jumping on with us, and thanks for doing it again, man. You're always a highlight of our week. Really do love you, Howard. It's great stuff.
2: Man. Uh, uh, it's, it's very, very kind of you guys. I'm, I'm excited to be doing this for another year. Uh, happy that you guys brought me back. Appreciate that. And give my best to Gordon. Hope he uh, gets well soon, and uh look forward to talking to him soon.
0: Thanks, Howard. You're the best. The great Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report. He's going to join us each and every Friday here on the NBA Daily Assist on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: I've been listening to him on this show for, f- what, four years, five years. Yeah. He's been around for a long time, and... I absolutely love his takes. He's always insightful and always has an opinion on things. And I asked the the question about China because—
0: I'm glad you did, by the
1: way. Well, well, I think that—I think on the surface things are calming down. But I keep hearing about fan bases that are orchestrating— demonstrations by wearing shirts and and covering the shirts and going into arenas and you've seen the different support hong kong shirts or the the shirts that have the tweet that Daryl Morey put out it written out on the shirt and you're seeing people raise those up in the camera and you're seeing nba angles like get away from it really fast nobody it, it'll get to the point the more that they try to ignore it the more that the the vocal political positioning on it is going to want to be heard and and it could come to a head, you know. It could come to it could be a, a forced thing, and and people could walk out. Or, you know, do you remember we saw so many different strange um, forms of uh, of demonstration where they were locking hands and keeping people out of arenas? Yep, I'm no, trying that was to remember. Sacramento. Yeah, and I'm trying to remember a
0: years ago. what
1: that was in it was Sacramento. was a police
0: shooting, I believe.
1: I think, yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I believe it was a Black Lives Matter situation, if I remember mm-hmm. right. But people want to be heard. And if they're not heard and if they're continued to be pressed, they're going to get more and more vocal. And we'll see how the NBA handles it.
0: Yep. I, I just don't think we've heard the last of it. Oh, it's not going away. No. No, that's the reason NBA front offices are preparing for a 15% cap hit. As much as 15% because it's not going away. All right, big thanks to Howard Beck for jumping on with us. We'll have more Big Show coming up next. Hands filling in 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.